installment of the yummy coco show this is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches music interviews and games i'm your host yummy coco aka colette prosper i am a comedy writer and filmmaker on this show we talk about everything from tv to having covid which um i said last week i had it And I'm still kind of getting over it. Like, I'm over it. Like, I'm negative. But I'm still not really over it. You know what I mean? Like, there's still, like, lingering things and annoyingness. Otherwise, I'm doing okay. Um, But when I talked to Ariel Carlin, which is uh, today's guest, I was deep in the heart of COVID. Uh, So that was me. And I kept it together. I was really impressed with myself. I was like, damn. I could do this even when I'm half incap- incapacitated. I can I can fucking do this and I can do this. And I did it and I, I talked to her and she was really cool. So you'll meet her. She works on Hacks. She's worked on other shows. Really cool. She um, had a stint on Broad City, which was really fun to hear about. You'll hear more in the interview. In the meantime, if you like this show, give it five stars. What do you have to lose? It will help people to find the show. In the meantime, I'm going to play an oldie but goodie. It's a sketch called Chef's Off. Sketch. Sketch. It's Chef Off, the show where we decide who's good enough to exist. I'm your host, Kylie Hunter. To recap, Annie from a small, forgotten town. Oh, I'm here with Alice. (laughs) Right. She's competing against Justin Time from Greenwich, Connecticut. Fun fact, Justin's family owns this very network. Why is this relevant? I mean, I don't understand how this... Well, actually, we own the conglomerate that owns this network. Oh, right. I was just... No, no, you're you're great. I know it's hard for you to get. Let's just move on, shall we? Okay, thank you so much, Justin. I mean, sir. Now, time for the judges to judge our chef. I see the judges loving Mr. Just Celery smeared with... Yes, this almond butter is amazing. Ah. Yes, I smeared it on myself. Ooh. Love it. It's so inventive. I... That was bullshit. I made a quail. Excuse me, Annie. Can you wait your turn? Yes, but I'm feeling like this is a little unfair. Feelings? Feelings? Is, is this a show about cooking or is this a show about feelings? You're right. You're right. Grow up, Annie. I'm sorry. I didn't mean Moving to... on. Judge, what do you think about Annie's... What is this again? Well... It's a quail with berry compote. Oh, yeah. the quail and a little bit of... Mm-hmm. 
Hastings Sage. Well, yes, I tried to incorporate. I hate Sage. Kylie, it's Kaylee. It's okay. It's okay. Can you confirm it's Sage? Yikes! Heavy on the Sage there. Well, actually, it's marjoram. Oh, um, that's right. How silly. Yes, my palate is so rusty. You know, despite the decades of as president of the World Culinary Federation. No problem. It happens when you're brought up in a society where your taste buds are disadvantaged. What's happening? And it's not marjoram. You're right about the sage. Annie, enough. Why is it so important for you to be right because about what seasoning you I made it. Well, that's just your opinion, no, isn't it? Not, I'm being gaslighted, and so are uh, all of you. Who cares? Why am I being attacked? Security! <laughs> Audience, it appears we have Join us next time on Chef Box. get into my talk with comedy writer Ariel Carlin. Hey Ariel. Hi. Hi. So Ariel Carlin is a writer and actress known for Hacks, The Babysitter's Club on Netflix, RIP, so great. Um, Harry and Potter, Harry Potter, Snape, uh, colon, Stupefy You, which I, I am curious about. So we'll talk about that. This is incredible. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Um, Recently, I conducted a highly unscientific summer TV bracket with my cousin Carla. Like it was like uh, Lauren Bobert level unscientific, and uh, we decided that Hacks was the best show of the summer. Oh, awesome! So I want to talk to you about that. Um, I also want to talk about the shows that you've been watching recently, like for All Mankind and Paper Girls, and if possible, like how to make anxiety, the idea of anxiety funny. Um, you also love The Good Fight, which is returning. Yes. Uh, so, you know, which is, it's a crime. It's gonna be the last season, so sad. It's such an odd show and like oddly profound at the same time. But first, can I ask you a series of rapid fire questions? Absolutely, let's do it. So, what's usually in your bag? Oh, um, okay. Well, one thing is I am an adult woman and I still am very tote bag oriented. Me too. So, I have like a few tote bags in rotation that I usually yes. grab and there's usually like a lot of stuff already in it, such as like hair ties, different masks, haha, COVID. Yes. Um, you know pens and hand sanitizer and then i nice. just make sure i have my classic wallet keys phone and throw them in there that's pretty boring but that's honestly my bag vibe and, and, and maybe you, some trash as well some trash yeah you know do, do you just like grab some detritus and just yeah add it to your bag? You, you know maybe there's like an empty water bottle <laughs> oh, or something receipts. like that yeah love it love it i i too am a tote bag person 
Um, it's usually like a bookstore or there have been times where people have um, given us um, like they, you know, we go to someone's house, they put something in a tote bag like, oh, here, take this home, like food or whatever. And that ends up becoming my purse. Yes. Love it. So, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so and are you are yours like uh, like TV shows or are they um, bookstores too or well you radio? know I do actually have um, a babysitters club tote bag that I got when I worked there but I think uh -huh. it's so special that I have it like hanging in my apartment and I don't use it as a bag. Um, oh sweet! I have a actually my mom gave me a tote bag from Japan, which Ooh. is kind of cool. So that's like my nice one, and then my other one that I've had for years that I use uh -huh. all the time is truly from the checkout line area of forever 21 in times square oh. like oh. so many years ago i was there and i was like this is kind of cool i'm just gonna get it and it's one of my best purchases ever so you never know what's gonna stick wow it survived all these years i know Can of like walking it? in yeah yeah walking in new york i've i've destroyed so many tote bags because like you to walk the streets of new york you have to put so much stuff uh, in your bags in order to be in the streets that's, all day that's true because you can't like in new york if you had asked me yeah. what was in my bag i would have a big backpack and i was always scurrying around with a heavy backpack full of stuff so that was a different vibe of my life okay so in la you're lighter your tote bag totally you, well i yeah. also in new york for a long time my day job was being a tutor so i would have my computer and books and you know sometimes like textbooks or prep books or something wow. and I was always yeah when I think of New York I think of my a younger version of myself running around with a heavy bag that is like New York City to me yeah yeah because like god forbid you you forget something and then you have to get back home to like Queens or Brooklyn I don't know where you live but like yeah. um it was always <laughs> a trek so yeah Queens so so it's like you forget it like you just have to like oh I don't have it so you you have to just carry it with you totally so yeah I remember that life so cats or dogs okay I'm gonna say dogs but the truth is I'm very allergic to both and oh don't spend a lot of time with animals oh no okay this is good to know um, what's the first thing you notice about someone when you meet them? I don't know. Probably their hair. Is that rude? No. <laughs> um, I like to see what people are doing with their hair. And I remember when I first visited LA, when I was thinking about moving here, it was like, um, I at the time was performing at UCB in New York and I went to a show at UCB in LA and I was like, okay, here, the hairstyles, there's a little more pastel, a little bit of some longer hairstyles and- Within like the performers or just like, just Just the people around. The, yeah, uh-huh. So um, yeah, I guess I'm sort of hairstyle aware. Okay, hairstyle aware. And does this help? <laughs> does this help you like recognize someone that, that oh, they're I like, oh, hey, Ariel? And you're just like, uh, I oh, guess, hair. I guess I'll expand it to I appreciate people's personal style and I like okay. to kind of look at what they're about. <laughs> Good spin, good spin. Okay, um, so this question was for a past guest, uh, Lila Cohan, and uh, what's the best, what's the last writer's room you worked in that was in person, and what was the best room snack? 
Um, it was Babysitter's Club. So I was the writer's assistant on season one of Babysitter's Club. And I also co-wrote an episode of that. Um, and honestly, the best snack to me in a writer's room, including that room, is free LaCroix. I just think oh, it nice. is a luxury and I love it. Nice. With the shrinkflation, I think that the boxes are smaller. So I think you get like one or two less LaCroix oh, really? cans. So yeah. Um, so it's interesting and it's good to get them for free so that you can, totally. you don't have to, um, you know, enjoy that. You don't have to like suffer that shrinkflation crunch. Um, okay. So this is a paper girls question. Uh, if you were in your present day life, if you in your present day life, ran into your 12 year old self what would you say like what what would your 12 year old self say to you and will your 12 year old self be like proud of your life right now wow that's such an interesting question um you know i think that my 12 year old self would be happy to learn that i live in la and write for yes. tv because mine yeah i'm just mine too so thankful and excited that i get to do that it is to be a little melodramatic my dream and i feel very lucky and it's been very cool to get to live here and do that um, so that's always been your dream it, in a way like i didn't say it publicly or to anyone else until I was a little older and started seeing what the actual steps were a little bit more. But I always have loved TV and movies and um, felt a really strong emotional connection to fictional characters and everything like that. Yeah, because at UCB, you were writing sketches uh, for Eggs for Sale. Was that in New York or that was in L.A.? Yeah, that was in New York. Um, Eggs for Sale was a two-person sketch comedy show that I wrote and performed with my friend Molly Kahn, who is a wonderful sketch writer and actor. And um, the show was all about basically trend pieces about millennial women it was sort of our response to that um because especially during the first part of the 2010s i would say there were all of these articles in the new york times um, styles section especially the sunday styles all the time that were trend pieces about these different facets of the millennial generation but they were right. so negative and it was very like the millennials are killing uh i don't know instacart they're killing yeah, whatever but it was like, like even probably before instacart existed it was like uh -huh. millennial women use up talk and vocal fry and that's why they'll never go anywhere professionally or wow there's this big thing about hookup culture like what is hookup culture and what are how are young people dating but it was always portrayed in such a negative way and by people outside of it so molly and i and our friendship would speak about these articles to each other all the time we would make fun of them laugh about yeah. it share our own experiences so that was kind of the through line of our show is we took some of these concepts from those articles and wrote sketches inspired by our opinions on them that's hilarious yeah because I, I saw the hookup culture one oh. and it was sort of like it was like I don't know 1940s like kind of Superman um you're talking like this like oh, la, la. um and uh yeah, so so was that like, okay, we got to do something about hookup culture, but let's make it 
retro like what was what was yeah the so that? all of the sketches really were different but the one about hookup culture was like as you described we pretended to be 1940s reporters sort of um, playing on the genre of that newspaper reporter caper um mm -hmm. sort of movie genre and we were sort of making fun of the new york times reporters who treated it as such breaking news or as such a big story these sort of ridiculous observations about people younger than them so that was oh. where that came from so we were just trying to kind of yeah um find a heightened way to make fun of the reporters i guess and so were you at that point, like, right, you know, you're writing sketches, um, you're, you're filming them, and you're acting in them. Were you thinking of using that material for to look for TV jobs? Like, how, how were you able to land TV work? Yeah, you know, I always was thinking about how to break into TV writing. And when I came to UCB and started doing improv and sketch comedy and also at the other theaters in New York as well, I was just interested yeah. in learning about comedy and professional comedy and how to be a comedy writer. So even mm -hmm. though I was studying improv and sketch comedy, I did have my eye toward sitcoms, half hour comedy TV shows, all of that. Um, and I actually was lucky because I went to college in New York. So I got to start taking improv and sketch classes when I was still in school and didn't have yeah. to make solid decisions quite yet about where I was going to live long term. And like NYU? I went to Barnard College. Oh, nice. Okay. And so women's yeah. college. Um, oh, yeah. Columbia. Yeah, it is the women's college affiliated with Columbia. Exactly. Um, I, I remember... I remember visiting Barnard uh, when I was looking in colleges. I ended up going to Boston College, oh, cool. but I remember going with my mom and they took us into a dorm room and it was early in the morning. And we, these um, these girls opened their dorm room to us and let us look inside. Um, the, t the tour guide is just like, yeah, and this is what a, a typical dorm room looks like. And the, um, the girls were looking at like Heathers or something. <laughs> And I, like, the tour guide is talking, but I was like, oh, Heathers, I say out loud. And then the girl, like, turned off the TV, like, ugh. Oh, my God. Like, she was so disgusted. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, I won't talk to you. That's so rude and weird. Yeah. But she, it was probably, it was, I don't know, I, early in the morning. Um, I don't, she's probably like, why did I sign up for this? Yeah, for, she probably for was tours being to, like, an, come an insecure college student, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But that's my Barnard memory. Wow, what a negative memory. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, okay, oh, yes. so you went to Barnard. Yeah. So I started taking classes there and everything, but um, I also was. It's kind of far though. Like it's not like um, like NYU, you could walk to Chelsea to, to UCB, but you had to get on a train or two. That's like, true. A bus. I would get out of class, go on the one train from yeah. college to UCB. Yeah, but it was. Uh, you know, not too far, but it is funny because I think a lot of college students, even if you're in New York, you kind of only stay right around your own school. But I did yeah. venture out to do improv. And yeah, yeah, you had to go downtown for that. There was nothing uptown. Yeah. So that was uh -huh. cool. And then I kept doing it after I graduated as well. But I also was writing pilots. And in college, I took screenwriting courses and 
um, like minored in film and was always trying to learn about what to do. And I did, I worked as a blogger for some of that time in comedy adjacent type jobs. I did a few few small assistant jobs when I still lived in New York, but I I wanted to do more. Um, And I also interned a lot when I was in college in New York to try to get some um, entertainment industry stuff on my resume. Yeah. And so all of that stuff um, was part of it. But then eventually, after I had gotten to do that show with Molly, Eggs for Sale, which felt like kind of the pinnacle of combining everything that I had like learned in my time there and um, getting to really like express our point of view in a show that yeah. felt really cool. Um, I also around that time got to be on a house sketch team there um, on Monday. Oh, mod team. Yeah, Molly and I were both on mod teams, so that was all great, Uh but I was feeling ready to make the journey to LA and try to really get more full-time jobs, including writer's assistant jobs. Um, So I moved here to LA about five years ago, but I had at that point, in addition to doing all of the sketch comedy and improv stuff, I also had written many pilots, published many articles online in different places, like I was an contributor for years in New York so I was always trying to build up my credits including through filming sketches and all of that yeah because you wanted to show your 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 comedy voice and so you were thinking like okay how can I I can how can I show my voice and so you're you're doing articles you're doing um improv and sketch so many different things to get yourself I was both trying to Uh learn about comedy writing but also to um you know, through starting with smaller projects, getting published credits as a comedy writer and getting my name out there as a comedy writer. Yeah. So five years, that's pretty great that you are now, um, you're now a story editor on Hacks season three coming up, you know, whenever in the future. Um, It's such a great show. Uh, So that's really incredible that within five years, you've um, amassed all these credits and, and you've gotten to this level because there are, you know, there are people that are still, um, trying to get a job. So that's super cool. So like, talk about your first job ever. Thank you very much. Um, I really appreciate that. And I will say even the past two years have been very exciting. And it didn't feel when I first moved here, like it was all making sense how it was going to lay out. But I guess my first writer's assistant job that I ever did was a short-term, almost like freelance writer's assistant job in New York for this Comedy Central miniseries called Time Traveling Bong that starred uh, Lana Glazer and Paul W. Dance from Hacks. Oh, so that's how you met Paul. um, No, so I actually met Lucia Aniello, one of the creators of Hacks, back in 2008 at UCB when I was taking classes there during college. She was teaching? She was um, in her 20s and was like a very recent college grad. And she directed a sketch comedy show that I was a part of. Basically, um, there's something called a spank at UCB for your Uh listeners, which is an audition show to get a run of a show at UCB. And I wrote... But it doesn't involve spanking. It doesn't involve spanking. But it might feel like it like a kind of smack in the yeah, face. Yes, you know, I think it might have been called that because of the phrase brand spanking new, which was oh. sort of a 
phrase at the time, but I'm not positive if that's why. But so yeah, I had yeah. written this sketch show with some people I met in a UCB class and Lucia was the director of that sketch show. So I met her then and we really clicked and mm-hmm. got along and she became a friend and mentor to me. Um, wow. Yeah, so that is... Um, honestly so lucky and amazing for me that I met her all the way back then she has really helped me she put me up for writer's assistant jobs including hiring me on time traveling bong so I could get that first writer's assistant credit because when you're a writer's assistant there's a specific format of notes that you have to take while the writers are talking so Mm -hmm. it's really good to people want you to have experience doing it so it can be kind of hard to get your first one and for someone to trust you to do it the first time so that was really great and then of course now I am working for her on her tv show um, which is amazing uh, as well. That's so cool. So during their like Broad City years, were you keeping in touch with her, like sending, um, I don't know, Christmas cards or like holiday cards? Like, yeah, you know, so when I first... How, how did you keep that relationship alive? Yeah, so when I first graduated college, I actually went and worked with Lucia at a day job. And that's when we really got to become more close. We both worked at wow. this website called life booker which was a coupon website oh yeah uh-huh. and if if you watch broad city the um place where alana's character yes. works is called deals 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 and that's based that... on life booker because lucia oh, works there and then she got jobs for some other friends of hers from ucb including me and then also alana glazer and abby jacobson worked there for some time and also yeah. there was another comedian ashley hale from ucb who worked at Life oh, Booker. Wow. So I did sit next to Lucia at Life Booker um, when I first graduated college and we would write coupons. She was my boss there. We got to know each other more. Then she moved to LA and um, we kept in touch after that. Mm-hmm. Um after having gotten to know each other more and over the years she gave me feedback on scripts and advice about the entertainment industry and things like that yeah so and then also in broad city i did get to play a deals 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 worker i'm just a background actor do i remember if you were you like shocked by alana's um behavior or something were you yeah it was one of those people who would be like yeah what is this girl doing now? But yeah, so I I didn't have lines, but it was very exciting and very cool to get to be there and to be on set of the first people I ever met in real life who were having a TV show. And um, that was very cool to do as well. OMG. Uh, You know, it's funny because I interviewed um, a few months back uh, Emily Schmidt, who writes on Ghosts and Welcome to Flatch. And she talked about going to NYU and meeting Kay Cannon um, during like SNL. Like she wasn't on S. Well, Thirty Rock, but like she would. She met her on the SNL line because uh, Kay was married to Jason Sudeikis oh, at the time, wow. and and so they they um you know she was always someone on the SNL line um, to see a show. And so Kay just started talking to her. Maybe she liked her hairstyle. Maybe she yeah. she liked her personal appearance. I don't know. Uh, and then they struck up a friendship and kept in touch. She ended up consulting on cock blockers. Like it's it's a really it's really amazing to hear these stories of like that person that takes a shining to you and then you know keeps in touch with you, cares about you, 
and fosters a relationship with you. That's amazing. Yeah, it really That's a great feeling. It means a lot and can really make such a difference since the entertainment industry can be so relationship based, which is part of what's so frustrating about it. But it's yeah. so nice to meet people who can then know what your work is and who you are and what you're like to work with. And uh huh. That's so cool. All right. So, um, going back to like Paper Girls, obviously, like we neither of us worked on it. We just watched it. Yeah, we're just so fans. It was like a recent thing. Just fans. Um, but you know, it's a sci-fi caper. It's not your average '80s um, kids on bikes show. Um, it reminded me a lot of Loki in the sense of like the time loops and like the yeah. idea of like the old watch. Um, there are also moments when like um, detritus from two different time periods fall from the sky, which also gave me Loki vibes. Um, I'm curious about your overall thoughts of the show because it was such it's such a great show. Yeah, like, it's it's, it's kind of like Yellow Jackets, like amazing that will have buzz for months to come, I think. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching it. As, as I was just saying to you before we recorded, I watched it all over all over one weekend because I was having yeah. such a great time watching it. Um, so it also is pretty, uh, went pretty quickly, uh, you know, through my brain, but I had such a great time with it. It was really nice how it was sci-fi and had time travel, but also had teenage girl coming of age. Those are two genres that I love that I don't always get to see together. So I was really enjoying the fusion of that. I really liked the friendships between the four paper girls at the center who are oh my goodness. getting all caught up in a time war, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, it a hilarious moment was uh, when adult Tiffany was telling young Tiffany, like, you don't have any friends. Those are your coworkers. And she's like a little 12 year old girl. Yes. <laughs> they kind of, I mean, they are her coworkers, but like they've, they've, uh, experience something together that has made them friends. Yeah, and it was so interesting to the adult Tiff character played by Ali Wong, and you know she was a character too, and it makes you think, oh Aaron, adult Aaron. Oh, I'm sorry, adult Aaron. Yes, yes. yeah, and um, yeah. Wait, is the yes, yes, adult Aaron, and um, it did make me think about what you were just asking me about, about if now you saw your child self. And I told you yeah. before, I thought my child self would be pretty excited or happy to hear at least surface level where I am now. But I think that I would really want to hug my younger self and yeah. um, care is for a her. Rough time. Yeah. yeah. And of course, in the show that at first is not quite what happens. And I'm sure it would be very shocking as well. Uh, although, you know, everything's been so weird the past few years with COVID and everything that yeah. I'm kind of like, maybe if time travels seemed real right now I'd be like yeah okay <laughs> I don't know. why not sure yeah I feel like now like, more getting than a DeLorean and just uh go to 1985 yeah see what that's like um yeah. but I thought that relationship was really moving too and funny yeah oh I loved it yeah I loved Ali Wong um so like another thing that that I loved. So so, you know, right now this might be like like day one or day two of COVID, but it's also like day one of my period. Um, sorry. And so like, um, you know, what I absolutely loved um, during the show was the tampon moment. Like yeah. they're sitting on the curb and then they're trying to figure out like what how to put in a tampon. They 
decide to like chuck it and it reminds me of like when i was in summer camp and my counselor like we were both standing next to each other in like kind of like a like almost like a mid squat or like a yoga chair pose kind of and she's like trying to instruct me as to how to like insert the tampon and it was just like it was not happening and she finally was just like i have other kids to take care i'll be you know just just try and i finally just gave up and just bunched some paper and and left so it also reminds me of a really funny it was almost like femme horror uh buzzfeed article that you wrote about a phantom tampon Yes, it was like it was giving me like James Cameron, the abyss vibes. Oh, my God. In like it was like a deep mission to find. They went deep in the ocean, you know, to find something. They uncovered something unexpected. Yes. You went deep yes. to try to find this phantom tampon. It is you so discovered funny something. to call it femme horror because it is, of course, a personal essay, nonfiction. But yes, there are definitely <laughs> some femme horror elements. It's your life. It. Yes. I wrote um, an essay for BuzzFeed's Mental Health Week a few years ago about a time uh -huh. even longer before that. Oh, actually, I can. Well, I I'll, mm -hmm. I'll say that the place that I worked at the time is maybe somewhere I mentioned Ooh, deals, deals, deals. in this interview. The fictional de deals, deals, deals. Uh -huh. yeah. oh, oh, so Lucia was there. Um, you know, I think it was after she moved to L.A., actually. <laughs> but yeah, I... Uh, oh, no, because she would have helped you, she maybe. She would have helped me if she was there, yeah. So I wrote an essay oh. <laughs> um, for BuzzFeed about a time when I had recently graduated from college and I was working in an office environment at a startup in a very yeah. stressful environment and my anxiety was surging. And I became convinced during this very stressful day at work um that I had a tampon stuck inside my body yes and oh. I just started spiraling and panicking like you know I was like did I forget to put one in or is it in there and I just can't get it out and I just started freaking out more and more and ended up going leaving work going to the emergency room and yes. finding out that <laughs> I had just forgot to put one in there was nothing there but it made me sort of realize <laughs> the heightened state of anxiety that I was walking around in and the kind of experience of actually leaving work to go to the emergency room almost broke the spell where I was like oh I can leave work I can make choices for myself yeah. I'm not like glued to this very stressful environment yeah. um, so it was sort of in some ways an introspective moment but it was also extremely embarrassing the entire day and now I can laugh about it but it was really stressful when it happened oh man no it, it reminds me that's happened to me in so many different ways um like weird splinters or like once I thought I had severe frostbite and I took the bus and train to NYU hospital but like it turned out that because it was like winter and my toes were cold and yeah. it turned out to be like dirt stains from the <laughs> subway so it was just like I, I didn't have to be there, but there were so many times where I thought I had a panic attack and I needed to, I couldn't breathe. But like, yeah, it was just like, uh, you know, and it, like, you know, we're talking about like these big bags that we have to carry in New York and like the idea that you, um, like you're out in the streets all day working and it's so stressful. There's so much anxiety. Um, not to say that like LA is a retirement, 
but it is a little bit more relaxing. I don't know if you feel like that. Yeah, I definitely, it's hard to tell because New York is so tied to my late teens and 20s and LA is like my 30s. So my life is different in many ways and it's hard to do the exact comparison. But I do think especially when you're having anxiety or even just in general, like the body can feel very mysterious and hard to control and can be the site where you can really spiral. So that I think is something interesting to talk about and be open about. It is funny that you bring up summer camp about the tampons because I do think that is such a common place where tampon confusion and drama happens. It actually just reminded me of this scene when I was at summer camp where like all the girls would be like, if it's in right, you shouldn't be able to feel it. Yes, I always felt it. Yeah, me too. And that was like the big conversation. But yeah, it's like you have to be open about these things so that young girls aren't confused and spiraling. Yeah, there's so many things that like girls would say. And I, um, again, this is kind of gross, but like I remember once uh, like a childhood friend was talking about like how someone died giving someone a blowjob. And I really thought it was like a (laughs) hairstylist that somehow i don't know a a hair dryer exploded or something i was like oh i was like oh that's so horrible (laughs) and i i was like in my head like why but like years later i was like oh yeah you like came back to the still i'm confused i'm still confused yeah Yeah, there's still questions about yeah down but yeah alarming nonetheless yeah but it's like you can't say anything you gotta be cool but like, what about like in a writer's room? Because like you, you kind of had to like fake it till you make it as like a writer's assistant. Um, were there moments of like, not like blowjob level moments, like the, like my confusion, but like, were there moments where like you had to kind of act like you knew what you were doing? Um, um, like when you were working on the bong show? Yeah, you know, I definitely think, um, well, it makes me think of two things. One is just in a writer's room, you know, you're sharing and people are talking and you can have the urge to every night be like going through what you said and being like, should I have said that? Should I say this? That was embarrassing. And it's like a trap that you don't want to fall into, but it can be hard. But so I think I've gotten better as time has gone on and I've gotten to be there in the writer's room for more TV seasons from Mm -hmm. my time as an assistant and now as a writer that I'm trying still but I'm in a better place of letting go of you know whatever you said that you want to be embarrassed about and just keep going forward um so but I think that that is a an experience that some writers feel and so also what I'm curious about is that you know now we're in an age where there's shorter seasons so it's not like working on say like modern family where you have like you know 22 episodes and like you might be able to work on set and like really learn about production and so a lot of like um higher level people I, I hear that all the time talking about like oh the the you know people are just uh people are becoming co-eps and they've never produced an episode so like have you is that in How's your experience been like, um, especially because you have a good relationship with with uh, Lucia, like, are you able to be on set sometimes? Are you are you able to get some experiences that like not a lot of writers are getting right now, especially with like COVID, like people are working in in like Zoom rooms or, uh, you know, are kind of like um, loose in person 
Um, yeah, no, I don't get to go to set, um, and I don't have especially for COVID. Yeah, yeah, for hacks, it's all been during COVID, so only the showrunners are on set as the writing producers. And then before that, I was the writer's assistant on Babysitters Club, but that filmed mm-hmm. in Vancouver, so I didn't go to set for that show either. Oh. Um, actually, I'm so thankful that I got to play a deals, deals, deals worker with no lines on Broad City because that's awesome. I did get to have time on the set of a few episodes of Broad City and to really see what goes on um you know when a director is directing actors on the day and what's happening so I'm so thankful for that experience um but no I definitely feel that I will be one of those people who is not getting a lot of set experience in the lower levels I would love to I'm very um you know, wanting to go to, uh, to get some set experience somewhere, uh, whenever I can. And in terms of like short, like everything you're saying about like short orders and not going to set, um, has so far been true for me, like only working part of the year and being mostly on zoom, but I guess we'll just see how things continue to go. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, things will open up more. Um, What other sort of projects? Because like, um, you know, we were talking about Paper Girls and like um, For All Mankind, sort of like sci-fi. Like it seems like you like kind of sci-fi, nostalgia, like even the um, like the hookup, that hookup sketch. Like what what sort of things are you um, really interested in that you haven't been able to to really write? about yet i do love i do love genre and sci-fi and i also love one hour soaps my favorite show is Grey's anatomy i'm a huge fan um i have you've watched all the episodes i have and actually there's three hacks writers who have seen every episode of Grey's, which is an overrepresentation of Grey's fans in a comedy room and it is very exciting um yeah you know my sample my half hour pilot that I submit to try to get jobs is a little Mm -hmm. bit of a genre fusion it's a horror comedy that has it is a comedy pilot but it has genre elements as well because that is something that I really am drawn to and I am right now and was on my hiatus working on a one hour pilot script um I'm trying to branch out of only doing half hour um but yeah there are yeah because what if Shonda what if Shonda or Krista um Krista Freeland Krista um Vernoff what if like yeah like Krista Vernoff Shonda Rhimes are like hey Ariel it's time it is time put on my Crocs and run my little butt to wherever they are um but yeah so I do I am trying to write my one hour um pilot yeah yeah that's awesome but um I also feel very lucky because hacks and babysitters club are really right in the tone that I love where they're both half hour shows that are comedies and have really funny jokes but also have character development and dramatic moments and relationships that grow so I also feel very lucky with the shows I've gotten to work on so far and I feel extremely lucky that my first um, staff writer job has been on Hacks a show that I love so much so good and the ending this season was perfect it almost you know god forbid there wasn't that season three renewal that would have been the end of the show what will happen next what will happen next I I'm like omg 
because it's going to be their lives on their own without each other and they really they've become so simpatico and that and you know and then i i, I wonder of like uh deborah vance who has sort of like commitment issues like she was maybe she was feeling like she was getting too close to hannah einbinder's character that she felt like this this you know young woman has to fly like you know i don't know but um i don't know if it was necessarily added like generosity that she sent her off like it was more like um I don't know. Just kind of get away from me. Go, go, go do something. I think that's very, I don't know. I think that's very insightful. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So exciting. Um, but what's it like to work on a show where it's like a very specific voice? It's not your voice, but you have to support that voice. What's that like? Um, you know, I think that that is the typical job of being a TV writer and definitely what I have been gearing up for all these years of trying to get to the staff writer and now story editor level of being working yeah. on someone else's show and trying to contribute in whatever way I can toward that vision. I will say that like for Hacks especially, you know, it definitely is the show of Paul Downs, Lucia and Yellow and Jen Statsky, their trio right. together. Um, yeah. But that being said, I do relate a lot to the characters in it who are women comedians. I also especially relate to Ava sometimes on some yeah. of her rants that she goes off on. I can really get into that space. Um, so there are definitely particular elements that I'm drawn to, but, you know, we really follow the leadership of the three showrunners and they run the writer's room and guide us and kind of tell us what they are thinking or what the shapes are going to be of the seasons and episodes. And um, yeah, I mean, also it's a group of really funny, smart people. So that helps too yeah because you wrote an episode with pat regan who's super funny um also has a podcast yes and so what's that like working in a room where there are a lot of funny people because even like paul lucia and jen they're all funny and they're all really smart and you have to offer something do you feel like that need that like every morning do you wake up and you're like okay i'm gonna have two or three really great ideas to present or do you just kind of go in there and... You know, I definitely do try to think at night and in the morning about what we talked about the day before, what we might be talking about that day. Um, and sometimes we will have specific questions that we left on to think about. But because TV writing is so group discussion based, a lot of things happen in the moment and the discussion as well. I think that also is why it can be such good practice to do things like improv and sketch comedy, even if the writing style is different, because mm -hmm. you also are practicing collaborating in groups and working yes, with and. other people. Yeah, and even following leadership, being different roles on a team, everything like that. But um, yeah, we work on Zoom. So pretty much just think my little thoughts and then log on to the Zoom, I guess. Do you have it like written out on um, Google Docs? Like in a small um, I actually, this is so silly, but I have a 
like a moleskin notebook that I keep next to me. And Very Hemingway. I know it's like, why am I on Zoom with like an analog notebook? But one thing is I like to not have a bunch of screens open. And then another thing is sometimes Zoom can feel so abstract that it's nice to have like a pen in my hand and a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I keep my notebook. And also, you know, with Zoom, especially when there are group conversations, you can't have a lot of crosstalk or interrupting. So also, if I have a thought that I want to remember for when I get a chance to say it, I jot down notes in my notebook. But it is mostly, you know, the group conversation led by the showrunners and with everyone sharing ideas and pitching jokes. And so when it's your turn, are you lifting up that moleskin notebook and they can see it in the camera and then you start to read from your notes no <laughs> or or do you just like you you think about it in like a pitch sometimes I gesticulate with this pen so you can see nice. you can see my pen because it's you're very corporate me on video yeah. yeah you know actually Molly Khan gave me this pen Ooh, <laughs> my sketch partner who we were speaking about yes. earlier and uh but no it's more conversational than that Okay. Um, the, um, so the episode that I wrote with Pat was for season two, and it's the episode where Deborah and Ava go on a lesbian cruise together. So good. Thank you. It's so hilarious. So, you know, when Pat and I came into the season two writer's room, the showrunners already had that idea for an episode that Deborah's going to go on this cruise, and she thinks it's a cruise with gay men, but it turns out to be lesbians. Uh, yeah, kind of Kathy Griffin inspired, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, you know, someone I think had had a similar experience who had and had told the showrunners about it, I think in one of the in a brainstorm session or something like that. Um, so then as a group, we all came up with what would happen in the episode and, you know, mm -hmm. uh came up with all of the scenes and then uh pat and i wrote the outline then we all work on it together then it's yeah. approved and then pat and i wrote the episode based on that so we wrote it but we of course all write it together yeah yeah it's part of a team yeah, yeah for sure that's hilarious no i love that episode i loved when uh she um started to hook up with the like the two hot women women on the cruise and Deborah Vance is like, we're getting kicked out. Let's go. And then they had to go on like the small dinghy. And then the um, ecstasy or the MDMA kicked in. And so she's like, I'm sorry. I just have to dance. Yeah. Hannah and then, my yeah. was so funny in her performance. So good. When she is about to hook up with the couple. And then Deborah's like, we got to go. And she sort of lets out this sound that it was very funny. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Especially because she was very much in her element and very comfortable, whereas Deborah really tried, and she was sort of doing really well. And then, of course, in in her way, she gets in her way, Deborah Vance, and then sure enough, she shits the bed and, <laughs> and gets kicked out. Hilarious. Um, is it is it really hard to write stand up in a TV show? Like I think about Mrs. Maisel and I love Mrs. Maisel, but like the stand up is not always like hitting, but like the story is great. The show is great. It's fabulous, but like the jokes are kind of like, ah, I don't and I don't know if it's because it's supposed to be like 1960s and and whatever. But like but I I do laugh at, at Deborah. So like 
is it hard to do that? Uh, it definitely is one of the challenges of writing for Hacks, for sure. And definitely for season two, we spent a lot of time pitching alternate versions of the same joke to try to get the best one. And, you know, of course, mm -hmm. sometimes Deborah's supposed to be doing well in her comedies. Sometimes she's supposed to be bombing or not hitting, you know, depending on yeah. what's happening in the scene. So it also can sometimes be hard to modulate how the joke is based on how well she's supposed to be doing and where she is in the season. So yeah, there is a lot of thought behind it and a lot of time spent trying to get the right target of those. Yeah, no, it's great. It's especially like that cruise ship episode where she was bombing and offending, like totally offending the the, the people in the audience. Um, I thought that that was perfect in, in the jokes. Um, were um did not land but it was on purpose because right, she right. was um being terrible to the people the audience right yeah what ultimately gets her kicked out yeah and that too was something that we really wanted to modulate too so that you know deborah is offending the people on the boat but you don't want the show to be hurting the feelings of queer people watching it so yeah a lot of thought went into that as well Oh, yeah. No, I thought it was it was very sensitive, especially with Ava's character kind of offsetting the imbalance that was happening with with Deborah. So I, th I thought that it was I mean, I, I, I I'm not um, someone to, to speak on it, but but still, like, I, I didn't feel like I, I felt like it was very um, thoughtful. Um, and it, it just showed it showed her age. It showed her generation. It showed her um, just uh, stubbornness to to change and to evolve so i i really love that um so okay so we you know we were talking about like other um projects like you know you're writing a, in our drama um like what's currently and I, I know that you love grays but what is also like currently tickling your your fancy in terms of like the type of show you'd like to work on oh gosh you know it's so hard because well, not hard. It's actually amazing, but I really work on the show that I want to work on, which is Hacks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would love to keep working in the sort of half hour with dramatic element space, maybe the one hour with comedic element space. Um, but I just am so happy to be in the writer's room right now that I am just sort of excited to get that experience and to really practice being in the room, writing episode scripts and getting that down. Um, in terms of like, yeah, so that's like in terms of working on things. In terms of what I'm watching, as you're saying, I love Grey's Anatomy. Very excited for the new season and to see what's going to happen with a bunch of new characters coming in. I'm loving For All Mankind, like you said. And I kind of got so excited about For All Mankind that I found yeah. myself talking about it a lot in this way where like I really don't like to be the type of person who recommends TV shows by people pressuring people to watch them or forcing yeah. them I just like to share my excitement or thoughts it's like getting just... someone to like join your church or something yeah so I realized I was really maybe being like too intense about trying to get people to watch for all mankind wow. so I started just being like it's really good watch it if you want to it's really up to you <laughs> um but I do love that show was that sort of like an internal voice telling you like lay off them or or were they um was it sort of like what the body language of like the other person 
Um, it was kind of both. It was internal, but basically one of my coworkers doesn't like the show and we were talking about it and I was like, I don't really feel the need to like debate or convince everyone. Everyone's entitled to their are own they a Grey's and I'm sorry, are they a Grey's enthusiast? No. Okay, so in that Venn diagram that okay, there's yeah. no okay. I won't reveal the identity, but no, I'll no, say course, it is course. a different person than the two people who watch Grey's Anatomy. Okay. And for all mankind, but, I also love the genre fusion of it because it has really suspenseful and exciting space stuff, but also complex mm -hmm. family drama, some interesting queer relationships, mm -hmm. astronaut workplace, chitter nice. chatter. I mean, I've always wondered about that. It has a lot of things to get <laughs> into, no matter what you're interested in. That's great. Yeah, it's kind of, um, it's totally different, but sort of like um, alternate history, like Man in the High Castle. Um, like, what if? Yeah, um, exactly. In the space race wise. Yeah. Um, it's funny because, you know, you talking about, um, you know, trying to urge, like, not be too intense. Like, my mother-in-law is really into the show, really into, like, telling my husband, like, you've got to watch it. And my, my husband has started to kind of watch it. Um, but but yeah it's uh but yeah it's it's like very it's very fun it's a little kind of wacky um it's uh but yeah just uh like a wild uh genre and they they really go for it in the episodes yes and there are certain episodes that within the one hour they'll have this full sort of I mean, for lack of a better word, episodic space emergency that happens wow. the whole thing from beginning to end in the one hour. And it is very exciting to watch that type of TV show. So cool. Okay. Um, my last question, I'd like to play like a really quick game with you. Sure. Um, who's putting out work that excites and inspires you? Um, well, Shonda Rhimes, of course. I'm a huge um I mean, fan, it's too small a word. I look up to her yeah. so much. And I'm really excited to see what her future Netflix shows are um, and what happens with that. She makes hits. Yeah, totally. She's like the Motown of, of TV shows. I don't know. She knows how to make a hit. She knows how to make a hit. She knows how to make you laugh and make you cry. And that's yeah. good. Um, I also think that John Early and Caperland are so funny. And I just watched Love their them. sketch comedy special, Would It Kill You to Laugh? And that was so funny. And I also listened to Caperland and Jacqueline Novak's podcast, Poog, which is nice. about wellness, but from a comedic perspective. And yes. uh, I love that as well. And... Because like in the Caperland world, um, sort of uh, Megan um, from from Hacks sort of is in that kind of orbit. Mm. Like maybe um, maybe maybe she's been influenced by Kate Berlant, like in her in her sort of comedy. So it's, I it's definitely think Kate Berlant and John Early are very influential for yeah. all of us in comedy right now, especially of like millennials and younger. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge John Early fan. I loved Search Party. Uh, I love anything that that he does. I love Kate Berlant too. So super funny. Um, okay, so really quick, I want to play a game. It's super dumb. Knowing me, knowing you. Great. And, it, you know, I'm going to rattle off a few, like, life experiences 
Um, you have to guess, is it your experience? Is it my experience? Um, or is it from an ABBA song? Or is it, um, or from the, like a band lyric? Or is it like from a show you worked on? So are, are you game? Yes, so wait, are those the four choices? Yeah, it's just gonna be like a couple things and you'll have okay. to guess like who, who the person is. Great. Um, first up, okay, this person says their hearts ache following Olivia Newton-John's death, aged 75. Um, you? No, it was Alba. Okay. They, they competed against her at Eurovision Song Contest in 1974. Oh, gotcha. and I think they won Eurovision. Uh, anyway, well, oh good, I, think, I stumped you, because I, I was like, this our, is so easy. I think all our hearts are aching. For Olivia yes. Oh my God. OMG. I love Xanadu. I love, I love Olivia and John. One of my like earliest memories was like my, my, my sisters all had like record collections and like one of the record collections was like physical. And so I remember like that, the, the huge, like long album cover, like you, you would unfold it and it would open. I was like, Oh wow, this is so cool. Yeah. And of course, Greece is a sleepover movie. Yes. Yeah. And they were all 30 and they all looked amazing. And then uh, the, the first scene is is filmed at Leo Carrillo. Leo, like whatever oh, that beach is in Malibu. Yeah, like Leo Sean, Carrillo. My husband, Sean, told me. Like, I, I had no idea. I didn't know uh, that. But yeah, yeah, just it's a classic. It's definitely a sleepover movie. Um, that makes me and, think uh, of. She will be missed. That makes me think of Transparent because they had some scenes there as well at that beach. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. That was a great show. Um, I love I love the Duplass brothers too. Um, I don't know if you watch Industry. Uh, I've seen the pilot. Uh, okay, it's really good. He's he's in the second season. Oh, cool. Yeah. Anyway, next question: This person during historical charades made what in the future we didn't know back then will be known as the Wakanda Forever X salute to signify World War II. Okay, I know who this one was. It was me. This was an yeah. embarrassing uh, story about me really flopping at history trades in high school that I talked about on Kevin Allison's podcast. Yes. Okay. This person who fell asleep during a discussion on a political novel, All the King's Men by Robert Penn Warren, but woke up just in time to hear the professor ask about Gibbons. And she rose her hand to say that it was a type of primate because she wanted to show that she was participating in class, but it, it had nothing to do with primates. Okay. It's politics I, and like a judge. I think that one is you. That was me. And that was very embarrassing. So we've both been embarrassed in front of the whole class. Oh, oh yes. Very much so. Okay. Last one. This person said, this is going to sound terrible, but once I moved to New York, I never did a civilian job. I was extraordinarily lucky. Hmm. Um, Appa? Jean Smart. Oh. <laughs> so from a show you worked on. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. She had the star power. Yeah, I mean, she's amazing. Okay. So do you ever meet them? Um, I I met Jean Smart for one second at the Hacks premiere. Hannah, I know a little bit more, um, and I think they're both great. But I Incredible. I spend most of my time on Zoom with just the writers. Nice, nice. Okay, what's making you happy these days? Oh my god, um, I just started watching Love Island for the first time. Oh God, Davide, I'm you're a liar. 
<laughs> I've heard Ekansu. I've heard of Davide and Ekansu, but that's not the season I started on. I will build. Oh wow! I, I got the advice from one of my coworkers to start with season two because it's a good season according to them, huh. and that it will get me into that. Um, so I'm into that. This is so sad, but my first thought was literally like my phone I'm so into my phone it has it gives me comfort and entertainment and it connects me to people far away from me um so I gotta shout out my phone and nice I, hello phone I'm also in a phase of pomegranate kombucha from that brand nice. health aid and okay. lemon is the flavor of LaCroix that I'm having lately Wow. Okay. I'm a spindrift person, but I do like LaCroix also. Fair. Uh, how can people find you? Oh, they could follow me on Twitter at Ariel Carlin and or on Instagram at Ariel KK. Nice. Okay. This is so great. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye. Bye.